Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I'm here with Mrs. Tennessee America, Sloan Reed, and her and I met in the pageant world. For those of you who don't know, I try to do something very scary each year as I talk my clients into doing scary things. And so a couple of years ago, my scary thing was doing my very first beauty pageant um, at 37, and uh, I did not win. But Sloan was the winner of this year. We met when I was a speaker for the pageant uh, and just connected immediately. So how are you, Sloan? I'm so good. And I think it's so funny when you say like you didn't win, because I think what you went in it for was so much more. And so I think you won through and through. I was such a fan of you. You were just so flawless that weekend and just so authentic and full of light. So you competed the year before me, which I was super jealous. We didn't get the weekend together, but I was so glad you came back and spoke my year. (laughs) Which is what I wanted to quote unquote win, right? You know, I wanted that access to, to be a speaker for the events and, um, Yes, Amber did a much better job. She, we both won in what we wanted. Yeah, so, okay, Sloan, you're all about the glow, right? All about the glow movement, all about uh, a glowing personality, as I know you have, and all about that inner confidence Mm. that helps us glow. What does that mean to you? Uh, so much. Um, Glow is, yes, definitely my brand. I think I posted a couple months ago, like what's one word you, that comes to mind when you think of me? And it was like, glow, 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 glow. So I was like, obviously my branding's on point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think for me, it's been a journey. It's been a long journey. It's been a difficult journey. It's been a painful journey. It's been a lot of, I always say, holding, looking in the mirror, but it's been a lot of broken mirrors, let's be honest. And um, it's about g- growing through that. And instead of shaming yourselves through those moments. It's about truly loving yourself and appreciating the journey and appreciating that you're doing the best you can with what you know in that moment and then striving to do better. And so for me, this journey of confidence started in a place of, oh, I can fake confidence, right? Like I can walk into the room and I can do the highlight reel and I can do all of that. But what has been the most freeing experience for me in the last decade, especially the last few years, is discovering my true self, my true worth, my authentic confidence, that place of vulnerability, that escaping escaping perfectionism and really striving for always excellence. And for me, for the longest time, I think it was Brené Brown um, kind of broke me free of that. Because for the longest time, I was like, okay, in order to strive for excellence, I need to be perfect. And she did this um, quick talk that was like, no, perfectionism is actually the opposite of excellence. And I think that moment set me free because that's where I really got to discover like my authentic confidence in doing my best, but also being very, very authentic in the process. And I think that's so important because after a toxic relationship, so many people have been told by a parent, a partner, whoever, well, if you had been perfect, I wouldn't have gotten mad. If you had been perfect, everything would have worked out. If you had been perfect, we wouldn't have gotten a divorce. If you'd been perfect, I wouldn't love your sister more than you or whatever it is. Um, And so I love your definition of excellence versus perfectionism. Um, And what does excellent mean to you? 
I think for me, it's really, really about discovering who you are at your core, really living from a place of your core values and using that as a compass and a map um, to define your mission or your purpose, and then being really intentional in serving that every day. I think, and I realize it's not real for a long time. I used to define that in the roles, like, oh, I'm going to be the best blank, right? I'm going to be the best mom. I'm going to be the best wife. I'm going to, I'm going to be the best beauty queen, right? Whatever the role was is what I tied a lot of my value. To. And it wasn't until I set myself free of that, of my roles do not define me. They're just the vehicles I use to serve my mission. And that's really hard to say. I know for a lot of us mamas out there, we take a lot of pride in that role and that title, but to really honor that that is just serving my mission. And so when I took a step back and really, not even back, but really in and got to really, really dive into what are my core values? How do I want to show up? How do I want to leave situations? And how is that serving my great? purpose. And so for me, standing in a place of authenticity, that was a big one, escaping the perfectionism and living in vulnerable authenticity. Um, integrity was a big one. Um, positivity, but not toxic positivity. We've right. all been around those, but like genuine positivity and just living from a place of light and love that served my mission to set people free from those chains and those burdens of not knowing who they are and that feeling lost into feeling grounded. And then that's what I'm able to do, whether I'm on a stage um, with a crown on my head or speaking in a public forum or at the grocery store with my son, it's all vehicles that I get to use to serve that core, that core values and that mission. And when I'm living in that authenticity and with that integrity, that to me is excellent. The very first step in my program is connecting with what's right with you. Mm -hmm. And I have a phrase that says you have to know yourself to grow yourself. Ooh, I love right? Mm -hmm. And because after a toxic relationship, especially if you've had a toxic parent who is just like, this is who you're supposed to be. I get to define that. Your job is to be the extension of me. Um, you know, it, it can be really hard to know yourself. And I talk to women all the time and they're like, I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I, I really don't know myself. And you they use that language. And I love that we're talking about this because many of the listeners are looking to go back into the dating world or, you know, or get a new career or whatever it is. And it's like, okay, so I'm going to be silly right here, but it's like, okay, so you want someone to love you for you, but you don't even know who you are. Mm -hmm. What do you think the chances are of that happening? Right? Or you want someone to hire you and pay you great money for your strengths, but you don't have no idea what your strengths are. Mm. What are the chances are of that happening? You know, and I think sometimes we just need to call out the elephant in the room and say it is so possible. We just have to point our ship in the right direction. We have to make sure we're sailing to the right island of knowing yourself. And also we have to be aware of the baggage we have on our ship that might mm -hmm. be weighing us down. You know, so sometimes we have to take a moment and forgive the toxic parent, forget mm -hmm. the ex, forgive, not forget, forgive, right? And that's really, really heavy to say. And it, but it's the first step of setting ourselves free. And one of the hardest things I said to myself, or was actually said to me by a girlfriend of mine um, who I love dearly. And she just kind of, I was in a really place where I had a friendship that was 
not that broke my heart, right? We sometimes we have those friendships that break our hearts more than romantic relationships do. And I was just really heartbroken by one of these, one of these friends of mine that I held really, really dear into my heart. And um, by a choice she made that really, really hurt me. It just was lacking loyalty in my in my mind. And so I was like sharing it with a girlfriend. I'm like, I this is really, really heavy on me and I can't escape it. Like that's all I'm thinking about. And she looked at me and she goes, What if it's not about you? Ah, no, in our world, it is all about us, right? But having that moment of just getting to take my emotions and myself out of the situation and just look at it with a like new perspective allowed me to see her perspective and realize she was on her own journey. She was struggling her own battles. And when I was able to detach how personally I was invested in that and take myself out of the equation and just see it for what it was, it really allowed me just to kind of forgive that person and realize it had nothing to do with me. I just had to pay the price. That doesn't mean I stay in that friendship. And it doesn't mean I stay in that thing. If that's the journey she's on, you honor it, but that's when boundaries come in, right? And you remove yourself. And I think that's part of when you're talking about getting where we want to go, sometimes we feel stuck because we're not healing that trauma. And it's not for the other person. It has nothing to do with them. It's about, and it's not about forgiving them that they get to have access to you either. I think sometimes people think like, oh, I forgive you. And therefore you now go back to the access you had before. No, 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 no. That's more baggage on the boat. We're not, we're, we're lightening the load. Right. And so it's about, okay, I forgive you. So I'm not carrying this for you, but I'm going to love you from over here. I'm going to honor you from over here. And it's going to be way over there. You don't get unlimited access anymore. And that doesn't mean it's not an ugly place. It's just a respectful place of me focusing on my boat, but also being able to say, okay, what baggage do I not want to admit I'm carrying, or I'm blind to I'm carrying that's bleeding over that new relationship. That is that we haven't hit the moment to heal. And therefore it's affecting the new job. It's affecting the new relationships. It's affecting the new friendships. It's affecting our relationships with our children, the generational curses and all that comes with us. It's about that moment of like, okay, these are triggering, but rather than just reacting Let's take a moment to reflect and tune in so we can respond in alignment with our core values and thus kind of fuel the boat and fuel the sails to where we're going. How do you figure out your core values or how do you help people figure out what their core values are? Um, for me, there's a lot of different ways that I do it with my clients. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Enneagram. That's probably my fundamental um, foundation because I think it's just so beautiful in holding up the mirror and giving you a roadmap on this journey of self-discovery. Um, and then, of course, there's exercises of which which themes are in your life that you hold to value. Um, your faith is obviously a huge component, your environment, your culture. There's so many elements that we take into consideration. Um, but for me, the Enneagram was the one that gave me the most clarity when I discovered it a decade or so ago and then became a certified coach and now incorporate it into my coaching is for me, it showed me the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, but it also showed me a way to love myself through those um, moments and not approach it from a place of shame. I think for the longest time, I tried to shame myself into a better version. And that's why my all-time favorite quote is, you can never shame yourself into a version you love. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, it really set me free in that and teaching me to have grace through the process of learning about myself. And also I would be in a bad habit of looking at me now and shaming and everything I've known and all the experiences and all the aha moments and all the real 
relationships and connections and moments I've had of growth, but I'd look at 23 year old Sloan and be like, oh my gosh, she was so dumb. Or like, I can't believe she did that. Or like, it was like shaming her based on what I know now when she didn't know that now, she didn't know that then I did at 23. I had no idea all this, not all this experience and grace I have now. And so I can't hold her to that same expectation. It's like when we're in that toxic relationship, like how we beat ourselves up, like how could we ever allow that person to affect us that way? And it's like, no, you're going to love that person for making it out. So you can have then learn what you did and sense that and continue to grow and to heal. Um, but yeah, for me, I would say the Enneagram just kind of showed me those trigger points, those motivations, and then taking that as a foundation along and preparing it with those experiences allowed me to discover what was truly the driving motivation behind me, such as authenticity and being intentional and integrity. So I save that toxic voice in my head for a very specific job. Ooh. And I know a lot of people who have like toxic voices in their head. It's like, but if I get rid of the toxic voice, it'll feel like it's all falling apart. You know, that toxic voice keeps me in line or helps me know what to do next or something like that. So um, my toxic voice, I gave a new job. And so the only time my toxic voice gets to be ugly with me is when I'm doing the same thing over and over again, hoping to get different results. Mm. Okay. And so that's not about my personality or my shame or my past or my baggage. It's like the present, right? It's like, Sarah, you've done this. You know, you tried to talk to that person and get them to communicate uh, in a kind way 14 times or 14,000 times. And they were a jerk every time or, or whatever it is. Why in the world are you still going to give them access to you, right? Like what you were talking about before with that friend. If it's like, you know, if that friend has behaved a certain way for five years and then you're hoping your six is going to be different, yeah. that's the stuff I save my toxic voice for. Because it, sometimes we need that jolt of like, oh, this isn't a good idea. <laughs> and I think it's important to honor that why we do have those damaging thoughts or those intrusive thoughts, right? I don't think like, yes, like I know we could call it a toxic voice, but to me, it's that, to me, it's a protector voice, right? Mm -hmm. It's an mm -hmm. accountable voice. I think, I think when we have those voices in our head, it's okay. It's about just questioning everything. And, and that's mm -hmm. what I got in the habit of is not accepting as is. So like when something was bothering me or I was having that, like physical response of the heart racing or whatever physical, I was like, okay, rather than just being like, oh, this is what I'm feeling right now. I started to take that ownership of it. Like you're mm -hmm. doing with that renaming and assigning that voice a job of just saying like, okay, why am I triggered in this moment? Why am I responding this moment? And then saying, okay, I'm nervous because of this or past trauma is coming up or I'm triggered because of this and saying, but that's usually ego. Usually ego is motivated by that response and saying like, okay, ego, like I see you're trying to protect me. Why? Why are you trying to protect me in this moment? Is it because I'm entering a pattern of repetition of doing the same thing over and over and over again? And you already foresee the outcome subconsciously. Am I doing something I've never done before? And I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone, which is something, or is, am I being triggered by a past situation or past trauma that's coming up? And it's about like, okay, I, I honor why you're here. I see why you're trying to protect me. And that's when I get to talk back to you and say, yep, I'm doing the same thing over again. Thank you. 
new path, right? Or nope, I get, hey ego, I know we're trying something new. We're going to push ourselves out of our comfort zone. And yes, I know you want to protect me, but this is, this is the island I'm heading for and I'm fueling my sails. Like, let's go. Or, oh, okay. It's time for healing. It's time for reflection. It's time for peace. So when this stirs up again, I'm not as triggered. And when that ego comes back or that toxic voice comes back and says, no, 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 wait. You're like, no, I've already healed from that. And I appreciate you Mm -hmm. trying to protect me, but that's not relevant it anymore. Thank you. And move on. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree completely in the protector voice. And I do want to point out, I had Rick Hansen, I'll say it two different ways. Rick Hansen said, um, our brains are designed to uh, keep us safe, not to make us happy. Mm-hmm. In oh. his book, Buddha's brain, right? Like, um, and I had a lady named Kim Woods on the podcast recently and her and I are friends. And she said, our brain is good at doing everything except for creating change in our own life that can work in our own best interest. And as soon as it's like some type of change, it's like, oh, no, no. And, and I think I want to be very careful as I say this. I want to say that it's almost, I almost think at this point, it's like, that's like a a default or like a short circuit in the system sometimes. And and kind of thinking of it as in that way. I know in the book, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do, Amy Moran, it's like 13, you know, mentally strong people aren't afraid of change. Like that is, those are the rules. Like happy life, these are the rules. (laughs) You know, you you want great things to happen. You want your life to be amazing. These are the rules, right? And being afraid of change or being paralyzed by change. I'll say it that way, because you can be afraid, but not be paralyzed by change. I do want everyone to hear this both and statement that your brain is acting as your protector. And when every person who's ever accomplished anything their entire life or done made any decision that was a little bit scary, says you have to push back the fear and change anyway. I do think that's like when a hundred percent of people are saying the same thing, that's good data. <laughs> yes, agreed. <laughs> and I think for me, what helped me was two things. One is choose your heart. And I had, it was actually with my fitness journey because that's a whole other podcast (laughs) that we would talk about. But like my physical health, I've struggled with my weight, which is always surprising when people hear that as a beauty queen, right? Um, But I've always struggled with my weight. It's been an up and down cycle. And I'm not talking, oh, like I need to lose this 10 pounds. Like I'm talking massive weight gain and loss, like fluctuating over the last even seven years. Um, It's probably been a struggle I've had for probably all of my twenties of just this huge, like 30, 50, 70 fluctuations of my pounds. And it's been really, really um, taxing on my body. And I remember it was actually in that fitness journey that I had a coach tell me like, choose your heart. Like being unhealthy is hard. Working out is hard. Like choose your heart. Right. And then I started to apply that to everything. Being comfortable, comfortable, in, and she's doing air quotes for yeah, podcast listeners. Yeah, it's like a quote unquote comfortable is okay, but it's uncomfortable. It, being comfortable is uncomfortable because we're meant to do more. We're meant to like experience. We're meant to push ourselves. And when we don't, because we are living, living by the lie of content, 
that's hard. It's hard not to fulfill our purpose. It's hard not to do that. But then also is breaking free of our comfort zone. It's very, very difficult. And so choose your heart. Which one has the benefits that you're really seeking that at the end of your life, that is going to give you no regrets. And then I actually, we just finished um, in my book club, we just finished the one thing and it's actually sitting. So I'm looking over to the side because it's sitting right next to me. And it had the most beautiful visual for me. And it talked about of our place of our comfort zone. And we've always heard that. Oh my gosh, I'm sure we're all burnt out by like, get out of your comfort zone, get out of your comfort zone. And all of us are like, okay, great. I'm uncomfortable. Now what? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But I think it came down to from it layered it for me. And I think that was so powerful of at your core is you're comfortable, no change, routine everything's the same everyone's content right and this is our little bubble we're on the on the wheel right of we're not really stretching ourselves we don't need any additional resources we're comfortable with our resources and we're comfortable with our level of growth that's what that's our that is what our definition of comfort zone is right we don't need additional resources and we don't need any growth okay but then hey, may I point out something really quick on what you're saying because I hear some people they describe their comfort zone And it's terrible. Like they're talking about depression. They're talking about surviving each day. They're talking about like um, being their kids being miserable. They're talking about uh, crying themselves to sleep every night. And so I do want you, you can do the little like rewind and hear what she described as a comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes our ego comes into play and we describe some of these, I've heard for years, people describe these terrible situations. They're like, yeah, but it's scary to get a coach. It's scary to take a chance. It's scary to get out of the relationship. It's scary to break up the friendship. It's scary to have those boundaries with my mom. I'm in my comfort zone. I'm like, no, that, no, 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 that is not a comfort zone. What, what you are describing is I've just gotten used to being miserable. Mm-hmm. So let's just label it as such, mm-hmm. right? So we can actually help ourselves like our babies are watching us and I think you just gave me gooseies. I think that's it. I think there's like the comfort zone, which is a, is a neutral zone. And I think it's really important to hold on to the word comfort. Are we comfortable? Like that's it, right? Are we comfortable? <laughs> are we, are we not needing? Are we not growing? Right. It's just comfortable. We're not holding up the mirror. We're not having those self, those tough conversations with ourselves. We're not having to love ourselves through challenging things. We're just neutral. Right. But what people to your point is below neutral, right? The below that is that discomfort, that misery. And it's it's one of those things where sometimes you just got to be so sick and tired of being sick and tired to set yourself free. But sometimes when we don't see our way out, we lie to ourselves like that ego and says, okay, this is if we're if we're blinded to an option or we're scared of our options or we're paralyzed by the the what if we take these options and this happens and we start what ifing ourselves, that is when we need to honor that we're in survival mode. We're not, we're not in the comfort zone. We're in pure survival. We are surviving each moment. We are not comfortable in each moment. Even if we're numb, right? So I, I like, even if someone listens to this, well, it's not, I'm not uncomfortable. And it's like, are you numb? What other, if, if your life was a movie, would other people call it uncomfortable? And sometimes we have to even look and say, okay, if this was happening to your child, would you be okay with it? If this was happening to your best friend, would you be okay with it? If this was happening to your favorite character in a sitcom or movie, would you be okay with it? Or would you think, would you recognize it as uncomfortable then? Are you loving the Toxic Person Proof podcast? 
don't forget to check out the book, Becoming Toxic Person Proof. Clear the confusion and learn to trust yourself again. Available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. And I think when it comes to numbing, because if you are familiar with the Enneagram, I'm a three (laughs) and threes are really good at numbing because when we're under stress, we go to the low side of nine. And this is no discredit to our nines because very rarely do our nines go to the low side of nine, but threes can let go there quickly under stress and under pressure when they're in those toxic environments or have set themselves up for failure, which we're really good at (laughs) when we say yes to everything and not being intentional, hello core value. Um, But it's about that numbing. And I think for me, what was really helpful because I am prone to the numbing is what like, okay, not just feeling numb, but what are we using to numb? Uh And I think when we can focus on what are we using to numb? Is it television? Is it alcohol? Is it food? Is it friends? Is it toxic? Is it, what are we using to numb and how we know that we're using it to our children? May I, may I, may I call and say our children? The roles we play. (laughs) The roles, right? Going back to the beginning of identifying ourselves in the roles, right? Mm -hmm. And it's about reflecting on each thing of our lives, whether it's our roles as mom, as wife, as sister, as daughter, um, as volunteer, as employee. Yes, all those things. Let me help others so I don't have to look at my own stuff. If we were to take that away and we were only left with us, are we happy? Are we comfortable? Or if we take away all the numbing tools and we were just there, are we comfortable, right? And that's how I always test the comfort zone is, okay, if I didn't have this crown on my head, if I didn't have my company, if I didn't have my nonprofit, if I wasn't, because I'm I'm prone to doing, I'm the queen of doing, right? It's the guilty pleasure of the three is I got to do, do, do to justify my worth. But if I stop doing, would I still feel worthy? And it's that moment of like, okay, that is where I need to heal. That is where I need to work. Right. Mm -hmm. And so going back to the, the, okay, so now you're comfortable. So you're no longer, you've healed. And now you're just in a place of complacency and comfort, but you, you know, you're called for more and you're pushing yourself out. It's about understanding that it's this balance of resources and personal growth. And that's when a coach comes in. That's when we're really getting those additional support to break free of those. So is it a coach? Is it a mastermind? Is it a book club? Is it like, what is the thing that is going to propel us forward, right? Is it the crew, right? Is it a community? Like, what is the thing that's going to push us, increase our resources and push our growth? Because that is when we get into like the discovery zone, the the place of like, okay, we're discovering our core values. We're finding ourselves. We're seeing what we don't like. We're seeing what we're really bad at. And we're loving ourselves through all that. Because once we break free that zone, we enter the zone of possibilities. And that is where the, and to me, they call it uncomfortable. Like outside of your comfort zone is uncomfortable. To me, it's free. Because I almost feel like we reverse it to your point. I think the uncomfort zone, the uncomfortable zone is not outside our comfort zone. It's below it when we're mm-hmm. in that season of numbing, when we're in those toxic relationships, when we're when we're miserable for miserable sake. It's when we're able to get to the comfort zone to have peace in order to push ourselves to the possibilities. And that's really what the, you know, the pageant did for me, you know, I, I grew up with a very pretty cousin who did pageants. So she was always the pretty one. And I was always like the talented one because I did music. And um, my sister was always like the funny one. You know, we had these really like roles that my sister's an incredible musician. My 
husband's actually a great singer. You know, I ended up doing a beauty pageant. Like we got stuck in these roles at childhood that we all could have sorted through so many other roles and stuff. And so um, I remember like someone kind of saying, I know this is going to sound silly because everyone only knows this version of me. They didn't know the version of me that was a lot heavier in my 20s or who didn't at 30 had to learn how to put on makeup or, you know, they, they didn't see that version of me. And it's, I really want to call attention to that aspect of it. As you and I are both talking about, things and circling back around the people are like oh that you're you're always out in front of people it probably wasn't scary for you to do a pageant and it's like what I mean I was competing air quotes again against a 23 year old who'd been married for five weeks I had two kids who weighed nine pounds like I had only decided to do this two months ago I hadn't been on like a prep for you know uh, for a year or whatever and and so I just want to kind of say some of that stuff out loud and 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 say some of the things that were out of my comfort zone out loud and you have said things out of your comfort zone and just kind of say it out loud and say yeah it was really kind of scary at the time and uh, one of my core values is to continue to do things that scare me Mm -hmm. I think What's beautiful about that is when you do, when you live authentically, when you do things that scare you, you give other permission. Like for those of us who are so servant oriented and so community based and giving to others, especially our babies, Hmm. when we give, when we do things that scare us, we're giving our, our children permission and our friends permission and those we love permission to do that as well. Right. I, I noticed this trend in my son and oh my God, you want to break a mama's heart. My son is phenomenal. He's brilliant. He's way too smart, like for my own good and just all these things. But I was noticing this trend in him that was like, he wouldn't try something new unless he knew he was good at it. Or unless he was like, he, or he was running, he did his first like kids run over like a few weeks ago and he was racing against much bigger kids than him. And they like smoked him. Let's be honest. Those kids were gone. I mean, he's, he's five and a half running against nine, eight, nine, 10 year olds. Right. And he smoked him and he just stopped. He was like devastated. And he was trying to keep his composure together and his all his five year, his five and a half year old little emotions, trying to process how to express them and all the pain that comes with that, but all the beauty and growth that comes from that moment. And it was just so eye-opening for me to be like, I have never put that pressure on him. I have never ever said to him, you have to be the best. I have never ever said to him, you have to be first. I've honestly always stressed that I just want you to try. That's all mm-hmm. I want you to do. Like, I don't care if you're the worst out there. I don't care if you like fall. I don't care. Like I was thinking about soccer. I said, I don't, I, that was the one that we really noticed he wouldn't try. And I said, I don't care if you don't score a single goal. I don't care if they steal the ball from you every time. I don't care if you're the goalie and they score every single time someone comes up to you. Like, I don't care. I just want you to try. And I was really, but it wasn't working. It was really, really like this stuck. And I was like, I've never, and I was like talking to my husband. I was like, we've never put that pressure on him. And it was actually a conversation. Like I was so broken by this because I was like, what am I doing to this child? Like he's full of potential and he's so like hesitant. And I just want him to have fun and experience life and everything it has to offer, but he's stuck paralyzed. Right. And he won't do it. And so I actually talked to my therapist about it. And I was like, I've never put that pressure on him. Like, where is is coming from he goes do you put that pressure on yourself 
Oh my God. You want to talk about a moment of pain? He goes, honey, she, my therapist was so loving through this moment. He goes, he goes, you don't think he sees that? And sometimes we have these like, oh, we would never want that for our purse. Like we would never want our children to have that pressure. So why are we doing that to ourselves? And thus creating these generational curses that he now thinks he has to operate at that level, even though I've never, ever held him to that caliber. But because I've held myself to this ridiculous standard and this ridiculous, he now has, feels like he has to carry that burden. And I was like, of course. So now all of you that are having this moment of breakdown, like I did, like I had that moment, what do I do? What do I do? And she goes, she goes, one, you'd be softer on yourself. You'd be less hard of yourself. You embarrass yourself. You have fun. You go out there and make a of yourself. And then you have to define try. And for me, that was really eye-opening because when we say, all we want you to do is try, how often have we said that to ourselves? I just want, I just need to try today. Like just try to get out of bed. Just try to do something new. Just try, just try. Oh, like, and he, she's like, as a five-year-old interpretation and keep in mind, like our subconscious is like basically a five-year-old, right? And so when I, we say that to a five-year-old, he's like, okay, does that mean try to score a hundred goals? Does that mean try to be the fastest? Does that mean try to be the best? Does that mean try to win everything? What does try mean? And so I think we have to have those moments of self-awareness and grace and say, okay, I'm going to try, but try what? And is is it going to be like, I'm going to try to get out of bed today and that's enough. And I'm going to be proud of that. Am I going to try to reach out to someone to get help? Am I going to try to reach out to a a coach and see, like push myself to have a conversation and say my goals and my dreams out loud? Am I going to try a new yoga pose? Like, what are you going to try and honor that and be very, very intentional with yourself so we don't have these subconscious five and a half year old in our brain? Can you tell my five and a half year old is very intentional about the half? I keep saying half, (laughs) but like, so he is very like with our own five and a half year old, what what are they interpreting when we're saying, putting these pressures on ourselves? What is our subconscious actually hearing? What is our subconscious Mm -hmm. actually absorbing that we don't intentionally or consciously put ourselves pressure on ourselves or hold ourselves back or paralyze ourselves from, but what is really happening on that subconscious level. And to me, that is when the self-awareness journey, this breaking free, this understanding ourselves, the getting to know yourself to allow, to understand that the fertilizer is ready for you to grow into the best version of yourself. Did you know how, did you see that pun spin to know yourself, to grow yourself? listeners are like, like listening to this and, and, and even maybe watching it. They're like, okay, they've got the same haircut. They like say the same things. They have the same interests. They have the same, same shirt today. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had on her outfit. And then I was like, oh, I'll give them something a little uh, springy. Yes. Yeah, so it's hilarious. Well, let's tell them about what's underneath our computers. What books we both have propping up. Oh my gosh, this is like my favorite story ever. Why don't you tell it and we'll laugh about it. So we're like, oh, what books do you, you know, we, really, we started talking because I think we've tried to record this like three times, yep. but we keep like getting on camera with each other. And then we're just like girlfriend geek outs <laughs> for like five hours. And then, and then we come back like, oh, we were supposed to record a podcast. We were just like BFF in it. So, <laughs> so we've of course led back to books and conversations about books. And I actually have high performance habits propping up my computer and Sloan has atomic habits propping up 
her computer. So if you if you worry, if you're out there and you're like, oh, there's no one who understands me, or I assure you that there is. There's probably someone who's like soul swimming in your, <laughs> not even that far away. You just have to find them. Well, I just think because you look at, if you are watching this on video, you look at my background and you're just like, oh my gosh, like I was very intentional about how I decorated it. And it's very like organized and it's like, oh my gosh, it's just like, this is the highlight reel, right? This is like the Instagram that we get. And this is where we think, okay, this is what people want, right? Mm -hmm. We curate this, we curate the hair, we curate the makeup, like we curate this perfect mask. And we're like, this is what people want, but it's not relatable. What's relatable is the fact that my desk that I ordered for my new office is still sitting on a boat somewhere, not delivered after six months of ordering it. So I am on a fold out table with a black tablecloth on it because I'm classy, right? And it's too low low that I have to prop my laptop up with books. So you're not looking up my nose, right? Like that's relatable. And I think oftentimes people are like, we crave connection, right? We crave these authentic connections, but like, that's honestly, not everybody wants to have a six figure business. Not everybody wants to have like the crying in the rain romance, right? Like not everybody wants that. Some people just want to be happy and they want to have general, like genuine, sincere relationships, but they're given this, right? No, mm-hmm. no one can relate to this. You can admire mm-hmm. it. And say, mm-hmm. okay, that's pretty. Like, I'm, I'm glad mm-hmm. she spent way too much money at CB2, right? Like, <laughs> for her, right? Well, now, you did such a good job decorating. I went with a plain gray background because I would be so, like, it's a, it's a joke. My husband does all the decorating. And then when I had a house with my mom and my sister, I'd, like, cry because I was not able to, like, decorate my Christmas tree. Like, as a single mom, I was like, I'm ruining my children's Christmas because I can't organize ornaments, you know? So, <laughs> we do it to ourselves like yeah and so like yeah. so you, we see that and we we see that as a reflection of something we're not good at right and mm-hmm. so like we take it personal and then reality is when we're able and then we so we think oh we have to fo- we have to showcase our highlights and then you're showing your highlights and we're showing two fake people that repel each other it's like opposite ends of magnets because it's mm-hmm. it's fake right but when we're able to be vulnerable and say, yeah, I'm on a fold-out table. Like, don't admire this. Like, I'm literally with a tablecloth. And two of my favorite leadership books are propping you up. So you're not like, that's real. Or like, hey, yeah, I didn't put enough dry shampoo, shampoo in my hair and I got excited. So my hair's getting greasy. Like, those are the moments of like, hey, we're all going through this. Like, we are all have these struggles. But when we get to take off the mask and say, hey, that's when we get to see each other. And that's what it's about, about breaking free into those resources. When we talk about resources and the possibilities, it's about that self-awareness journey to saying, hey, this is me. This is all of me. And I love it. And that's coming from someone who hid a lot of who I was. I I always used to, like, people used to call me fake, right? Like, oh, she's so fake. Oh, she's so fake. I got that a lot in my, like, early 20s. And to me, it was like, what? I'm not fake. Like, I'm presenting a real version of myself. And then I realized a version of myself. 
a version of myself. And how often do we do that? Like how often are we presenting the version needed that other people need of us? Because that's what I was doing. And I think especially as women, we're guilty of this. And I can't speak for men, never been one. But like as women, like we have this desire to be everything to everyone and present a version of ourselves. But you know what happens when we keep presenting that version? Like I had this epiphany when I was dating and I, I started to resent the relationships I was in because they would even say like, oh my gosh, like when they told me they loved me, I was like, you don't love me. You love the version of me I gave you. You don't even know me. And whose fault was that? It was me. It was my fault. And it's like, how am I supposed to have this great romance, this great career, all of these things when I'm only giving pieces of me and they're versions that I'm curating. But when I'm able to take a step back and give myself, and I always say that to my husband, I have always been authentically myself with him, the dorky dancer at the, on the mm-hmm. dance floor, right? No fear. Mm-hmm. The, the eating way too much Mexican, the binge watching thing, the disgusting I have it. I have a very, very disgusting habit. I'll never forget this moment because I would never, ever let anybody else see this version of me before him. But I have a guilty pleasure. Y'all do not gross out, but here with me, you know, those hot chocolate Swiss packs, you know, like with the like dried marshmallows in it. Yeah. Yes. Who's this? The Swiss Miss dried packet, yeah. I ate them not in water. Like that is gross, y'all. That is like gross. a powder? Yes. It was my guilty pleasure. It was disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. And no one would see that. And I remember he walked in and I, not even thinking about it, opened it up, start popping those dried marshmallows in my mouth. And he's like, you are disgusting. And I go, I really am. And it's amazing because he got to see it and he loved right. me for it. And it was real. And I was like, this is connection. This is what the human experience is, is getting to connect with people and say, hey, I see you and I honor you and you see me and you honor me. And that doesn't mean, I always like to do this disclaimer it doesn't mean that everybody's going to love you. That's true. It's okay. <laughs> you know what? I will say it does not mean everyone's going to love you, but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter as much when you love yourself. Because you know what? Them loving a fake version of you, I've been there, or the curated version of you is worse. So it doesn't much. count. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't count. Well, so where can people connect with you and find more about you? And I know you have a scholarship as well. Oh my goodness. Well, yes. So you can connect with me. I'm most commonly on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, but don't send me a message. I'm so bad, but Instagram, I'm totally there. Like all the way there. And you can find me at Sloan. That's S-L-O-A-N underscore read R-E-I-D. Um, and of course, through my business, the Glow Movement, um, that's G-L-O-W-M-V-M-T.com. And that's where I ho- house all of my coaching. If you're ever interested in discovering your Enneagram type and really how that can set you free and start you on your self-awareness journey, that's where I have all of that. Um, but my passion is in my nonprofit and it is the Glow Together Foundation. And we operate on a mission of inspiring, empowering, and investing leaders. And we do that in three ways. We have our gala and awards where we honor female leaders all over the country. We have our amazing team of Spark Change Ambassadors, um, which take the, have the mission of we, when we all do our small part together, we can make a big difference. But yes, the scholarship is probably one of our favorite ways of investing, inspiring, and empowering leaders. Um, we offer three $500 scholarships. And 
it's a personal development scholarship. So what that means is you can apply for to use it for a coach, a online course, a conference that you want to attend, um, a summer camp, and it's for all ages and all genders. Um, last year, we had three recipients, one sought for public speaking. She has an amazing um, passion for adoption awareness. And so she used her scholarship to work with a public speaking coach. Uh, we had another one who was uh, our younger, I think one of our youngest recipients. Um, she used it. She didn't want to choose. And I love this story because oftentimes women are choosing. And you kind of mentioned this with your story with your cousins. Of She reached out to me and she goes, I have this opportunity to go to a STEM summer camp or a songwriting camp. Which one is the better fit for this program? These are the price. These are what they cost. Da, da, da. And I said, both. And she goes, what? And I go, you're going to apply for both. Both of them are within the scholarship. You don't have to choose. You can have be an and and not an or. Apply for both. Mm-hmm. And she got it um, for both. And then she actually ended up being our People's Choice Award um, winner. And so she got to do round two of both. So she got to do two STEM summer camps and two songwriting camps, which was super Aww. amazing. Um, and then we had another recipient who is starting his... Um, videographer, I always say that wrong, videographer business. Um, And so he got to take an amazing online course with really diving in. So it really is the sky's the limit. If you want to invest in yourself, we want to be part of it. The only stipulation um, is it is while the Glow Movement is a proud, my business is a proud, proud supporter of the foundation and the nonprofit and a portion of the proceeds goes to support the nonprofit because we want to keep things ethical. You cannot use the scholarship for any of my personal services. Um, but I, I mean, you can use them for Sarah's just. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Sloan. Oh, so much love. Thank you so much. I'm finally, I'm glad we finally got to record. Um, so people got to be a part of, we were pretty much having the same conversation, you know, otherwise, um, along with, you know, some more personal antidotes. So thank you so much for coming here and helping us become toxic person proof. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live. There's tons of support. And most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.